Hey there. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Lakeside. I'm your host, Daniel Stombaugh, and I'm glad you're here with me today. We are going to have a transformational day today. We're going to take the next few minutes and talk about our identity in Christ, that is who we are in him and who we are to him. And this is powerful because identity brings purpose. Let's get started. episode number nine, and we're talking about this relationship of the king with this shepherd girl and the picture it is with us and with Christ and our value and how he sees us and how we are to him and how we've been made because of him. And so, you know, we have this back and forth between the bride and the groom, and it starts to intensify. And as this book rolls along, as you go through Song of Solomon, you see this crescendo of back and forth between the two of them until finally at the end of the book, she makes these statements like, I'm the rose of Sharon and and she acts in her royalty that she now is because of the king and his affirmation that he has fed into her life. And the more that you grow in your understanding in Christ, that's perfecting of the saints, the maturing process of a Christian, is not a Christian that simply uh, goes out of habit and does more for God than someone else. The mature Christian is one that has grown in their identity to understand the fact, as we stated in a previous episode, that you don't have to do anything to earn God's favor, earn his love for you. Uh, his, his, it is not a performance-based acceptance mindset with God that determines your value to him. It's not what you bring to the table. It's what he has brought to the table that has given you your value. And so we've been talking back and forth because um, as, as she has grown in her identity, she's standing and we have this, uh, this place in time where she's standing in his bedroom and she's been speaking uh, her value and her own worth to herself and what she feels she's worth to him and why she feels like he should not feel the same way about her that he has expressed that he does. And, and most of us do the same thing with God. When you really are faced with this understanding of your value to God, the very first thing we do is retreat back to all the times where we fell short of deserving that value. We go back to the times in life where we fell short of, of God's affirmation and his love for us and why we uh, why he should not feel the way that he says that he does about us. And I, it's it's because we're built in and we're terrible receivers as people. Someone pays us a compliment and the very first thing we do is want to go back and say, well, you know, yeah, but <laughs> thank you for saying that. But, you know, someone tells you you have a nice house. Oh, it's a mess. You know, it's like we jump right in. Someone says something about your outfit and the very first thing we do is we go back to say why they should not have said something. Uh, someone offers to pay for a meal, and the very first thing we do is say, no, 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 I got this. And why is that? It's We have a difficult time receiving things, and that translates over into an understanding that we have of God's love for us. It's very easy for us to accept the understanding that I have to now earn it, or I have to somehow prove my love to God. Uh, and, and when I do that, and the more I prove it, the more worthy I am of it. So when you're faced with this understanding that God does not need anything from you, he simply wants you for who you are, uh, we tend to balk at that. And just like the king was telling her how beautiful she was, she jumps right in and she complains about her looks. And she says, don't look at me. I'm not, uh, the, the son has not been kind to me. My brothers abused me. My family took advantage of me. And I was made to work out in the hot sun. And I neglected things in my life that I, that I should have held value to. And she goes to try to devalue herself. And she compares herself. She says, I'm not like the daughters of Jerusalem. I'm not like them. And it's the same thing we do to God. We just say, I'm not like the other Christians. There's no reason why you should should 
uh, put the value that you do on me. But understand this, we are not close because of our behavior. We are close because of his behavior. And so we find this chapter uh, 10, or chapter number 1, verse 10 and 11, we find them in the bedroom here. It's another flashback to where she's standing in the bedchamber. Remember we said in a previous episode that anytime you find yourself feeling distant from the king, it's because you have removed your focus off of what he has done for you, and you've placed it on what you have done to you. And we look in the mirror and we see the effects of our own decisions on ourselves. We look around our house, we look around our life, and we see the effects of our own decisions to find value and what those have resulted in around our house and around ourselves. And we see that and we somehow think that that is us. And God says, no, I don't value you because of what you have done to you. I value you because of what I've done for you. And I've made you new. So anytime you feel distant from the king, it's because you have placed your emphasis and your focus on what you have done to you instead of what the king has done for you. And so now we find her standing there in the mirror. She's looking in the mirror in this bedroom, and she's looking at herself, and she has been speaking about her looks and about her skin. And if you remember right back in verse number 6, she said, Don't look at me because I'm black. The sun looked upon me. My mother's children were angry with me. They made me the keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard I've not kept. She speaks about herself and her own appearance, and the king comes up behind her. And as she looks at herself in the mirror, she is not focusing on the king. She's not focusing on the fact that he has brought her into his chamber, his personal chamber. She's not focusing on the fact that she has moved beyond the palace walls. She's moved out of, she's not standing in the shepherd's uh, uh, stables anymore. She's not standing in the horse stalls. She's not standing out in the vineyard. Uh, she's not standing uh, swatting bugs and, 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 and stinging insects off her skin out in the field. She's not standing in the hot sun. She's lost her focus of that. All she is focused on why she doesn't feel like she belongs where he has placed her. And as she's talking, he comes up behind her, and I love this. Verse number 10 of chapter number 1, it says, Thy cheeks are comely with rows of jewels, thy neck with chains of gold. We'll make thee borders of gold with studs of silver. I love that. What was happening is as she was describing herself in verse number 6, he walks up behind her. And she looks in the mirror at herself, and she's looking at her skin, and she's seeing all the flaws and all the blemishes. She is no different than you. She's no different than me. We look at ourselves in the mirror, and we say, I don't deserve you. Why don't you see I fail you? Don't you see I messed up? I, I tarnish myself. Self-inflicted sin. I run after it. My flesh, I give into it all the time. I don't deserve to be royalty. I don't deserve to be treated this way. I don't deserve any of this. We say all of these things, and he comes up right behind her. And as she's talking, as she's speaking, he walks up behind her, and he tells her her cheeks are combed with rose jewels. He, what he does is he slips this golden chain around her neck, golden necklace, and he fastens it behind her, behind her hairline. And as she's talking, all of a sudden she looks down because the candles that are all over that, uh, that little table in front of the mirror, they catch that gold and they begin to flicker and send little uh, flickers of light all over the, the wall by the mirror. And it catches her attention. She looks down, she sees this beautiful gold necklace with jewels dripping off of it. And it's just like ice. It's just laying there across her chest. And she looks down at that. And all of a sudden, for the very first time, she has stopped looking at herself 
and she is now focusing on the jewels that he's put around her neck. And he said, I'm going to put chains of gold about your neck. And, and he says, I'll make thee borders with gold and studs of silver. And what is that? And he puts that tiara on top of her head and the diamonds on that tiara and that silver and that gold catch that candlelight and again sends more dazzling flickers like a disco ball all along the wall catching from the dancing light of the candle. And then he puts those silver clips on the tops of her ears and it hangs down on the side. And she looks up and she stops looking at herself and she sees herself completely framed in with beauty. She is framed in with something that's rich and powerful. The king covers any flaws we have and he frames us in with him. The Bible's compared to the law of liberty. It's like a mirror, the Bible says, when you look into the mirror, into the law of liberty, you see him. Look in the mirror now, folks, and I don't see Daniel. I look in the mirror now and I see things that he has added to me and that he has framed me in with. And the very first thing that I noticed was God framed me in with the ability to forgive. You know, forgiving someone and condoning them are two different things. And you can forgive somebody without condoning what they have done. You can forgive someone without condoning sin, without condoning a wrong action on their part. And for years, I struggled with this ability to forgive. And, and really, that's what it boiled down to, a bitterness of unforgiveness. And, and it was a tormenting thing to not forgive and to have all of these things, these things I struggled with. And it was thoughts and, and all the stuff that came along with it. And I would ask God. I would go to different conferences and different services. And I'd go forward at the end and get on the altar and just give that to God and go back and struggle with it the next day. And i said, God, just give me victory over these areas in my life. And when God gave me the ability to forgive all the sudden it was like that house guest that for that bitterness is that house guest that you open the door and let bitterness come in and bitterness holds the door open for all of his posse to come in and before long your front room is filled with things and with with thugs and with guests that you never wanted in your life and you have all of a sudden it's not just bitterness now it's thoughts and now it's anger and now it's all of these things impatience all of the stuff is there and you're like how did my house get so messed up but when God gives you the ability to forgive you kick that stuff out you say forgiveness you got to go and everyone that came with you you have no right to be here because you came in because of an allowed guest named bitterness and he's gone you've got to go and they leave and I'm telling you what it is freeing and when you look at yourself in the mirror and you see yourself, I'm not the same guy that I was. God's identity and his love for me has transformed me. I look back and I say, where was my bitterness? It's gone. The things that I struggle with, they're gone. I look in the, the mirror and I see myself framed with God's forgiveness. It's not mine. It's God's forgiveness. Like Joseph, his sons were named Ephraim and Manasseh. He said, I named my sons this and they mean God has helped me to forget. And man, when God gives you the ability to forgive, he moves, gives you the ability to forget some of the wounding that took place. And he says, look, just give them the love that I've given you. And you walk in that love. It is not a uh, condoning of what they've done to you. It is simply a forgiveness. You move past that. You're able to move into victory in Christ. 1 Corinthians is awesome. When you read chapter 13, the great love chapter, and it says love is kind, love is patience. It seeks not its own. It, It suffers all things. It bears all things. It forgives. It hopes all things. You look at that stuff, and it's a perfect description of love. And and we read that at weddings. It's almost like this is something we're saying or implying that this is the hurdle to reach as a spouse. But truly, it is not. 1 Corinthians 13 is a description, an artist, sketch artist rendition of the face of God. And when you read that verse, and when you read that passage, what you're seeing is 
God on display. He is forgiving. He's long-suffering. He's kind. He beareth all things. He believeth all things. He hopes all things. And if you have him in you, you have everything that he is. And the more you grow in your identity of who he is and what he's done to you, man, you look in the mirror and say, I'm not the same guy that I was. Man, I have God. That means I have all of what he is. I have peace. I have love. I have hope. I have understanding. I have patience. I have gentleness. I have goodness. I have long-suffering. I have all of these attributes that he has. I now possess those attributes. And I look in the mirror and I no longer see Daniel, a guy that was messed up with bitterness or messed up or ate up with any type of anger or ate up with any type of thoughts that he struggled with, any of that kind of stuff. What I see is Daniel in the mirror framed with God. I see God framing my life, and before long, all that catches my eye is this ability to forgive or this ability to extend love or this ability to extend himself in ways that he never thought he could. And where did that come from, man? It was an adornment from the king. It was a framed-in attribute of the king. It was royalty framed in. She looked in the mirror that morning, y'all, and she saw all of the gold and all the silver, and she stopped for just the first time, maybe in her entire life. She stopped looking at her flaws and she stopped looking at her skin and she stopped looking at her wrinkles and the calluses and the bruising and she stopped She stopped looking at the bruising on her life. And maybe for the first time, she was able to focus on what he added to her. When you took God, you took everything that he is. What is it that's different about you now than before when you had Christ? What is it that's different about you? You know, we tell people, man, you ought to become a Christian. You ought to take Christ in your life. But we really don't have a reason why. Because we never bothered to look. We grabbed Jesus because he was free 99 and we threw him in the cart and we never examined what he was. We never took the time to really explore that app and see all the attributes that he possessed when we took him. We just say we have Jesus because it's like a status symbol in church. But honestly, when you more do you examine that you have in Christ, that's why Paul said, if I could teach one message to the church, it would be that you would understand how loved you are in God. The height, the depth, the width, the breadth of the love of God for you, that you may grow in the fullness there. Man, Second Peter says that if you, if you lack bodily kindness, if you lack virtue, if you lack those things in your life, you're simply blind and you've forgotten that you were purged. You forgot what you actually received the day you took Christ. What is it that's different about you now? When you took God, you took everything that he is. And if you don't see him, then you are focusing on what you did to you instead of what he did for you. I love this fact where she stands and looks at herself in the mirror. Maybe the first time in her life she stops looking at the flaws. I remember growing up, I needed braces and really bad. My teeth were crooked. I could eat an apple through a picket fence. <laughs> it was really bad. And I struggled with it, my self-esteem because of it for years. And I remember as a little boy, we had these little jar and we put change in it. It was like a big label on the side that said Dan's Braces Fund, right? And so we put this, you know, people would come over, we put money in it. I was always putting coins and pennies in it. And I'd, people would come over for your birthday and I'd say, they'd put money in that jar and I'd be like all excited thinking, I'm gonna get braces one day because I was really self-conscious about my smile. They were really bad. My teeth were really, really crooked. And one day I started noticing that the, the, the jar was actually dropping. <laughs> like somebody was taking money out. And I realized that my dad was taking money out because he was hungry, man. He had, he had a family of eight kids and uh, he just for lunch or whatnot. I just, different things came up, cars, battery, tires. And that braces fund was like a go-to. I think because it was sitting on the counter. It was like available money, right? But I never did get them. And so I remember as a youth pastor, very self-conscious about him. 
And uh, one day I went to the dentist and he said, you should consider braces. And I said, I know they're just expensive. I don't have the money for them at this time. At the time I was a dad myself. And so the single income provider, and I just, I didn't have the money. But I remember one day he told me to go to the orthodontist. He said, somebody has come in and somebody's actually paid for this. And I went to the orthodontist to get this, you know, quote. And they said, you know, this is already, the person's already been in today. They've already paid for you to have braces. Never forget as a 20-year-old guy, 20-something-year-old guy, 25, 26 maybe, putting those braces on and they were, I was here, I was with the orthodontist alongside every 12-year-old <laughs> in the city and I'm sitting here as a 26, 27-year-old guy with braces on. But the day that he took them off, like I looked in the mirror and I smiled for the first time without those braces. And I have smiled my entire life, you know, just something to just find joy. You always find something to smile about. But that day, I truly smiled. And I looked in the mirror at this smile that I had now. And it was beautiful. I'd never seen crooked, straight teeth before. And when I saw what it looked like with straight teeth, I just, I couldn't stop smiling. I was like, whoa. And for the first time in my life, I wasn't embarrassed. I was looking for people to smile at. I was burying my teeth at everyone that day, you know, going home. You're grinning at them in the car next to me. But the fact is, I was, couldn't wait to give my smile away to somebody. And when she looked in the mirror and she saw that gold and she saw that jewelry and she saw what he was adding to her, and it wasn't just a physical attribute he was adding to her. Like, he wasn't interested in just putting gold on somebody. The king was actually building something within her that had been destroyed a long time ago, and she saw that. And this was just a picture, the necklace, the tiara, and the studs of silver on her ears, those were just a picture of what he was actually doing inside of her heart. And man, I can't wait for you to see the end of this thing. Oh, she goes back to the same people that hurt her. And you're going to meet, you are going to meet some people in this little podcast as we go through here uh, that, that wounded her and that put hurt inside of her heart. And you're going to see the response that she gives them now that she has the power to do something back. You're going to see the response and it is going to blow your barn doors off because it's amazing. It didn't come from her. It came from the person putting and framing her in with glory and with royalty and with virtue. And exactly what God does to us. When you look back at your life, you look in the spiritual mirror, what has God added to you? Man, 1 Corinthians 13 is a description of God. He has put himself on you. You wear the righteousness of Christ. He has added himself to you. Uh, you, I want you to write down something today. Write down simply, I am different. I am different. Because there was something that you were, and you are no longer that because of the king. He's framed you in with himself. I am different. Thank you so much for being with me today. God bless you. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. Uh, Tomorrow, we're going to be looking at verse number 12 and 13, and we're talking about the king at his table and what that means for you and I, and I can't wait to show you this. God bless you. Have a fantastic day today. Make sure you give away your smile. You're actually giving away your source, and the world is hungry for your source. God bless you. Thank you.